TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Wichita's number one sports radio, 97.5 and 1240 KFH. Welcome back in, everybody. Hour number two here of Sports Daily. We've got uh, the NFL Thursday Night Football primetime NFL games from Westwood One available live for free right here on KFH and on the Odyssey app. Tune in tonight for Thursday Night Football. Jacksonville at New Orleans. You can hear it right here on KFH or simply download the Odyssey app and search for KFH at kickoff. Uh, The IHOP hotline, after being uh, full of Great guest in hour number one is back wide open for you. Brought to you by IHOP, 869-1240. Uh, guests can enjoy the new strawberry cheesecake waffle, a golden brown Belgian waffle topped with creamy cheesecake mousse and fresh strawberries. Tommy, uh, let's talk a little Thursday, not Thursday night football. We can do that before the end of the show. Let's talk a little Chiefs football in the afternoon window Sunday uh, against Kansas City. And this may bleed into some of our thoughts on Justin Herbert. We've been you know, sort of going back and forth on him a little bit. And we did that, whatever that day was, Tuesday, you know, after the the Chargers lost to the Cowboys. And, and, you know, for the sake of that argument, I thought Herbert did not play particularly well in that game individually, albeit against one of the better defenses in football. He comes into Kansas City, always plays the Chiefs close. These games are always close. I think of him as one of the top guys in the league. You're not there yet with him. Uh, By the way, that's a topic... I'll bring up this weekend. I'll have a CBS Sports Radio shift. I, I do want to know, like, what do the masses think on Herbert? I, I think people have cooled on him to some degree, but I also think you've got a guy who in three years has had three different offensive coordinators, who's had two of the worst in-game managing coaches, in my opinion, we've seen in recent history. And, you know, the the injuries every year that they deal with, are well noted now for the Chargers for, you know, it seems like 20 years. But the numbers are there for Herbert and what he's done. And if you compare it to some of the all-time greats in this league, you know, by yards, he's the highest for sure. And that's not everything. He's got a a decent enough win-loss record, I think. And he's made one playoff appearance in two years, right? One playoff appearance in two years. This is his third year. So it doesn't count. Um, 
Or is this his fourth year? This so is one, his fourth yeah. year. Yeah, this yeah. is his fourth year. You're right. Yeah, so one playoff appearance in three years. Um, it's not all that different from many of the greats that we've seen. My my thing with Herbert is just watching him. You know, he he's durable more so than a lot of the guys we would consider in this. He played with broken ribs, got into the postseason last year. They blew that game. But I, I this it sort of gets into that debate of wins are not a quarterback stat. And I absolutely am not in that camp at all. I know that's like the hipster thing to say, right? Like, oh, it's not. I'm not in that camp, but I am in the camp of quarterbacks can't do everything, right? Tony Romo was a really good quarterback with some awful defenses. That doesn't make him a bad quarterback that they were never, you know, and I'm not saying he's, I, I think Herbert's way better than Romo, by the way. Um, I, it just like sometimes there are circumstances, especially in a young quarterback's career, that are, like how much can they do? You know, like he can't play defense. He can't decide whether they should go for it or kick a field goal and take points and do all those things. So it's like he's not always put in the best position either. We talked about on Tuesday the amount of – I mean, he is he is per games played – Maybe the highest on fourth quarter comeback or game-winning drives or whatever it is, game-winning drives and, and coming back late in games. And a part of that is because he's constantly asked to do that, right? Like he's constantly in a position to have to to drive down the field and win games. He's a dangerous quarterback for the Chiefs to face, and he is going to be the top adversary, I think, when the dust settles on careers. And we look back at this era of football. The great rivalry and the great, you know, um, head-to-head is not going to be Burrow or Allen. It is right now. I think over time it's going to be Herbert. The big reason why I don't believe in the quarterbacks or the the win wins are not a quarterback stat, the reason I don't believe in that is because quarterbacks get all the credit when they win. So uh, totally. they, they're going to have to get some of the blame when they lose. Uh, so that that's why I don't necessarily believe in that. I do think that they're – I mean, it's the most important position on the field. And so, uh, you know, they dictate – uh, the the result of a game more than any other player on the field no on any given week, right? Uh, the thing about Justin Herbert is that he is extremely talented, and I will absolutely give him that. The guy is athletic. He's built in a great way. He's got a great skill set. I mean, I absolutely understand why he's even in this conversation in his fourth season in the NFL as being one of the best. You said that his win-loss record was, I don't exactly remember the word that you used. I think you said it was okay. I mean, he's exactly 500. He's 27 and 27. Okay, so yeah, I mean, I guess that that's average or mediocre or whatever you want to call it. I do think that there, while he can't do it all, he can't play defense, he can't make those coaching decisions, the quarterback, more than any other position on the field, impacts the result of the game, as I just said. So I do think that, you know, if he was in a position kind of like, I mean, let's say Patrick Mahomes, just played his 100th game. He's 80 and 20, Patrick Mahomes is, in his career as a starting quarterback. Mahomes is going to get all the credit in the world for that. If the win-loss record was different for Justin Herbert through his first handful of seasons, if they had a playoff win or multiple playoff wins, then it would be a little bit of a different story, I think, for Justin Herbert. I think he's incredibly talented, but I also have to say that the most elite quarterbacks in the NFL both present and past, they don't need excuses made for them. Like nobody looks at one of the, like nobody looks at Tom Brady and says, 
yeah, you know, he's elite. And can you imagine how much better he would have been if he actually had great receivers to throw? No, I mean, he was able to compensate for it. You know, so uh, Justin Herbert doesn't need excuses made he for doesn't him. Need he wants excuses. to be considered one of the most elite quarterbacks in the league. He doesn't need excuses. But listen, I got to tell you, Tom Brady stepped into the league with Bill Belichick. Patrick Mahomes stepped into the league with Andy Reid. Right. There is a difference in stepping into the league with Anthony Lynn and then Brandon Staley and having, you know, all the changes at offensive coordinator. Making that many changes at offensive coordinator for a young quarterback can be a death sentence. Right. We've seen that time and time and time again. Zero consistency. Yet his numbers have been steady all the way through all those changes. His individual numbers have been. Right, right. Which again, like there, there are lots of circumstances into this equation. I, I think when you here, here's the reason that I think I, I'm not in the camp of wins are not a quarterback stat. I think that they are. I think Joe Burrow is the poster boy for that. Right, the impact Joe Burrow has had on wins and losses for that team, with the same coach being there before and after Joe Burrow, by the way, and what they were in the season he got hurt versus what they are now. I think that's a great example. We don't know it as much with Kansas City, right? Kansas City was great before Mahomes ever took over, consistently winning divisions, making playoff appearances, all of those things. I think where you say where you go against the quarter, but now they're finding the success in the postseason, right? That's what tells you. Like, it does make a difference. Josh Allen, the Bills were pretty good before he took over, right? Like, and so were the Chargers, by the way. They were okay, right? They were kind of like the Bills, just kind of like good, but not good enough. It's you have to take circumstances, I think, into consideration when you're looking at. And this is why I would sell out to help my young quarterback if I was drafting a quarterback. It's why I can't believe that Eric Bieniemy hasn't had a head coaching job yet for one of these teams that knows it's going to draft a quarterback. You have to sell out to help your quarterback. I mean, that's that's like you put everything into that. They have got to do it that way. I mean, they, went they hired they, two defensive coaches. I'm talking about the personnel on the field. I mean, they have a great wide receiver room when they can stay healthy. That's the big key. They can't, uh, but 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 they went out and they basically bought a defense. They bought a defense and, and brought it, in it two defensive minded coaches, and, and it's it has garbage that hasn't worked out, you know, for them. And so, you know, I think a lot of that. I mean, like you can't put that on the shoulders of Justin Herbert necessarily, right? I mean, that's on the coaching staff in the front office and and, and all of that for spending all this money on these high-profile defensive players that, you know, really, honestly, hardly any of them panned out. And hiring two defensive head coaches, Anthony Lynn and Brandon Staley. Like, when they hired Brandon Staley before we ever saw him coach a game, it's like, what? Like, what? Why? Why would you do that if you're you're going behind a young quarterback? And and remember the circumstances in which Justin Herbert was put on the field anyway. It was that, you know, that brutal injury— was it Tyrod Taylor at the yeah. time? You know, like that was a tough situation. And then we saw Herbert play, and I didn't think he was going to be that kind of quarterback coming out of college. And it's just like, whoa, this guy had one of the best rookie seasons, if not the best we've ever seen. Yeah, and I, with I'll Anthony tell you Lynn also, as his head coach. I gave you this comparison when you and I were talking about this the other day off air that I'm not going to put him in the camp of this person right now because we just yeah. don't know. Right. But think about Peyton Manning, for example. You know, Peyton Manning, the first couple of years that he was in the league, he played under Jim Mora. I mean, Jim Mora famously said in a press conference and was like, playoffs? 
we're not going to the playoffs. Like, it was bad for Peyton Manning the first couple of years. He lost 13 games his rookie year. He threw 28 interceptions. Then when Tony Dungy came in, that's when things started to turn around for Peyton Manning. Through the first, I think, six seasons of Peyton Manning's career, he didn't win a playoff game. Or maybe he won one playoff game. It doesn't matter. But through the first handful of years, it did. Manning wasn't able to take that next step. I mean, I remember the conversations through the first handful of years that Peyton Manning was in the league where people were like, is he, is this guy ever going to get it done? Like, you know, he's, he's got a special kind of like physical talent and the way they plays quarterback. And like everybody knew it when they watched him, that he was a really good quarterback from a statistical point of view, but he, he wasn't able to get over the hump and win when it really mattered. That's kind of where Justin Herbert is right now, where, you know, he, I think you look at him and you know, like, I think the word I used to you off air was, special people knew that Peyton Manning was special but I don't think people considered him elite until he was able to actually well, sure. go all the way but I but like how many truly elite then quarterbacks are currently playing I think there are clearly three right Mahomes Allen and and Burrow but that's it right like to me that's it anyway like I wouldn't put anybody else in that camp and I think the closest to it is Herbert Jalen Hurts has regressed big time without his offensive coordinator this year. He hasn't played well. And and so, like, I, I'm not ready to put anybody else there yet, but I think, it, just in my opinion, that Herbert's the closest to it. I Just imagine if— Just based like, on his physical attributes, is yeah, that— Yeah, absolutely. Yes, yeah. Imagine just—and and I try to, like, like because there are no equalizers, right? Like, yeah, you could say put Justin Herbert, you know, in Kansas City, and, and would he have more success? Well, of course he would. But, like, think of it even this way. And and getting Kellen Moore in there, if they maintain Kellen Moore, when they inevitably fire Brandon Staley, that will probably help. But imagine if John Harbaugh or Mike Tomlin, right, or Mike Vrabel. Like, imagine if one of those guys were his head coach. And those are three defensive coaches, by the way. Instead of Anthony Lynn or Brandon Staley. You think the Chargers would have more wins? Of course they would. What, if Herbert played the exact same, if one of those three guys was their head coach, they would have more wins. They have had, the Chargers have had some of the worst coaching we've seen in football over the over the past few years. They are wasting away what we all feel like is a pretty talented team, right? Keenan Allen is a monster, and he's getting old. Mike Williams has never been able to stay healthy, so it, it just like no, yeah, I mean yes, quarterbacks wins are a quarterback stat to some degree. But they're also a coaching stat, right? And they're also there, – there's a lot of factors that go into that. And I think if you just, like, think of it as plant X quarterback into, like, whatever situation, if they're, if they're in any other particular situation, would they be more successful? And I think all the time you can say, well, yes, they would be. And I think he's well, a prime candidate. And this is the difficult thing, too, because I'm trying to think of quarterbacks. Like, who's the best quarterback in the history of the NFL – that had a terrible coach like for a long time. And I have a hard time thinking about that because when quarterbacks have success, that means the head coach is going to have success. And when a quarterback is, you know, doing special things out on the field, like, man, like think of like, gosh, I don't know, Brett Favre mm. and Mike Holmgren, you know, or, uh, I mean, gosh, Marino had Marino. Shula. They never Shula. won a title. But that's not bad coaching necessarily. I'm just trying to think of like, is there an all-time great quarterback that had a bad coach? And I'm not sure that that's really the case. 
but but then again, I'm not sure if that is if, if that's some correlated. people would say like Aaron Rodgers probably. Some people would Mike say McCarthy. the Packers were successful despite McCarthy, and yeah. and I don't necessarily disagree with that. By the way, because I don't. You know, Elway had Dan Reeves and, um, yeah. gosh, I mean, of course, Mahomes and Andy Reid, and I don't know. Yeah, I mean that's a good question, but again, like Marino didn't get one, and we're not going to question how great he was. He's one of maybe the Jim greatest. Kelly. Would Jim Kelly be someone that we would look at? As being a great quarterback with not a great coaching staff? I don't know. No, because I think Marv Levy would be True. up there yeah. in coaches, you know. Like I I I don't I don't know the answer to that. Philip Rivers, maybe. You know, he had he had Schottenheimer for a little bit, um, which was which was just not you know, and then who who did he have after who did he uh, have? He had Norv Turner for a number of years yeah. was the coach of the Chargers. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Drew Brees had Sean Payton, like uh, all the all the greats that you look at. Well, there's an example. Maybe, look at maybe Eli I mean, Manning, Sean Payton. potentially, Sean you know, pa- yeah, yeah, Bill Parcells. Um, you know, I, I yeah, I, I probably the Chargers, you know, Philip Rivers had Schottenheimer for a little bit and then he had North Turner and then Mike McCoy. Um, yeah, r- maybe Rivers is the guy guy that's borderline Hall of Famer. I, you could put Tony Romo in there, you know, whatever you think about Jason Garrett. I mean, Wade Phillips, a guy I love to death, was not, you know, was not ultimately a, a great head coach. He had some good years in a couple different places. But it, it's just like it's a combination of things. And where you land matters immensely. Look at a guy like Brock Purdy right now. Sometimes you find the perfect fit. And they did. The 49ers found the perfect fit between Kyle Shanahan and Brock Purdy. They, they clearly did. Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes was a perfect fit. Andy Reid couldn't get it done with Alex Smith. Can now. So it takes more into that than just to say, because this, and this is why, <laughs> excuse me, this is why this comes up. It's because people, like any time that the Chargers struggle, everyone's like, oh, see, I, Herbert's so overrated. And I'm like, no, he's appropriately rated. This dude's really good. Like, they, they're not winning these games, but it's not because Herbert sucks. It's, it's, it's just not. Like, he's good. Like, he's a good quarterback. We'll see. I, I, Again, I think when the dust settles on this, when we look back at great rivalries, it's going to be Mahomes-Herbert when we look back and say that's the great rivalry of the Mahomes era. I, I think it's going to be there even more than Allen and Burrow. Now, if we keep getting those matchups in the postseason, maybe that changes, and we definitely could uh, because those guys are obviously great. But I, I just I have him – on the cusp of and on the path to being in that same conversation. And it brings us to Sunday against the Chiefs. The Chargers have got to have that game. I mean, if you're the Chargers, you have to have it. And I just don't have any confidence in their decision-making on the sidelines to, like, how could you take the Chargers to win it when you know it's Brandon Staley making the decisions versus Andy Reid? Well, and look, the other thing, too, is that I think that Justin Herbert is a victim of the continuous year in and year out hype around the chargers over the last couple of years. Uh, And Dan Israel mentioned that on Tuesday when he was on the program about how the chargers are always picked to win it all. It seems like every single year before the year starts and then they underperform, they under deliver after everything is over promised. And so I think that that's part of it too, kind of a victim of expectations a little bit. And so, you know, if, if Herbert had the opportunity to, to grow, without having the hype of being in LA and all of those other things where people think that, you know, year in and year out, they're going to win it all. And then they don't, it might be a little bit of a different uh, situation. I feel for him in that regard that 
there's been this expectation when you look at him and you watch him play and you're like, man, that guy is really talented. And I believe he is. He is really talented. They should be winning more than what they are. And that blame is put on his shoulders. I think in the same kind of way that it's put on Brandon Staley, but Brandon Staley is absolutely more to blame in that. It is because the defense that they've invested so much in is not good. And they continuously make bad decisions late in the games. And you can throw and you can, you can, Get out your, you know, your your pocket protector and your analytics sheet all you want and tell me that, you know, oh, well, you know, it's it's actually the right thing to do there because, uh, well, you know, X, Y, Z. No, they're not winning games. It's obviously not the right thing to do there because it never succeeds. Like if it succeeded maybe sometimes late in the game to do it this way. OK, but when we're when we're watching it constantly not work, it's not the right decision. It may be statistically the right thing to do to go for it, but that does not take into account the fact that the person calling the play to get you the yards isn't going to call the right play, isn't going to do the right, right. thing. That's what your that's left where guard. Yeah, that's where analytics Your left sucks, guard right? doesn't block the defense. You know, like, th- that's what drives me so crazy about it. Yeah, everybody knows that you have the opportunity to score more points if you're constantly going for it on fourth down. That's not hard to comprehend. But what analytics doesn't comprehend is execution to get there, both in play call, in players. Like, all of the things still have to be actually played on the field for it to work. That's why you see some of the great coaches understand, like, live to fight another day, Let's put ourselves in a better position the next time, and we'll give ourselves a better chance to win. That's what it doesn't take into consideration, and it drives me insane. It's part of the reason why Chiefs fans pull their hair out every time on fourth and one, and the Chiefs offense is, I mean, they're going to run a reverse or a trick play or something like that. You know, because, yeah, the 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 analytics may say it's going to be better to go for it on fourth and one, but it, the analytics are also not saying, okay, Run go backwards. Yeah. yeah. Do this play on fourth and one. <laughs> right. They're just going to say, go for it on fourth and one. So, I mean, that's kind of where the analytics, it stops right there. And I agree with you. I mean, when you do have somebody like Brandon Staley, who, you know, can't call the right play and the players can't execute it in the right way, then that, that also has to play into the decision as well. Look, the chiefs analytically on fourth and one are not as adept as the Eagles on fourth and one. Because they don't want Patrick Mahomes to sneak it up the middle, whereas the Eagles will do that every time. So that in in that sense, fourth and one starts to make more sense for the Eagles than it does the Chiefs. There is nuance in it that computers don't take into consideration. And so when Brandon Staley just blindly goes for it every time, how about you look and see what your own rate of conversion is on fourth down and play that in. If you never make it on fourth down, it's not worth it. And, and especially at the end of a game. Like, come on now. And that's not Justin Herbert's fault. Like, that's that's the Chargers continuously being inept. It's their fault. Like, at, go get a coach that knows what the hell they're doing, and they would be a much better team. Can they beat the Chiefs on Sunday? That's what we'll talk about next. We got that off our chest. What about the game itself this weekend? We'll do it next on Sports Daily.
All right, welcome back in, everybody. Sports Daily here on KFH. We've been so busy on this Thursday that, uh, well, we haven't given anything away. Let's do it now. Let's do it at the start of the segment here. Let's give away some HDO first, Jad. We'll do a free iced tea and a free HDO Brewhouse coffee drink. Uh, more than 25 flavors of iced tea, including some new fall favorites, apple pie and peach cobbler. Uh, the brew house also has apple pie and peach cobbler varieties of the coffee. So iced tea coffee, check it out now. One of each, uh, Wichita East, West, and in Derby. The coffee only available in Derby and at Wichita East. 869-1240 to that IHOP hotline. We'll catch one winner there, and then we'll give away some Wichita Thunder hockey tickets as well uh, before the end of the show. So good luck, everybody, on that IHOP hotline to get in there. All right, Tommy, let's talk Chiefs this weekend to charge. We just... Talked about the Justin Herbert, you know, conundrum that we've been mulling around off the air a little bit this week. Let's talk about the game on Sunday. Historically close. Uh, The Chargers are desperate. The Chiefs, I think, with a win here would reestablish themselves at the top of the AFC. Maybe some people would still have the Dolphins higher, but I think if the Chiefs can, you know, cover this number or, or even just get a win, you know, I think you feel the best about them strictly because I don't think anybody out there thinks we're seeing the best Chiefs football we're going to see this year right now, right? Like, we still haven't seen that. It's coming, I think, but we still haven't seen it, and they're 5-1. and one. Well, reinforcements are on their way with McCole Hardman. If Frank Clark ends up signing with the Chiefs, I mean, he'll be a reinforcement. And don't forget, Charles Aminahue will be able to play in the game this Sunday. And, you know, he was a guy that I know defensively uh, Andy Reid and, and Steve Spagnuolo were really excited about as being an immediate impact player defensively for Kansas City. Had to sit out the first six games of the year. He's back now, so reinforcements are coming. That being said, the line right now is at five and a half. And man, historically, the Chiefs and the Chargers, they play close every single time. They play closer than five and a half. And so I'm a little bit surprised by that number. Um, I don't know exactly which way I'm leaning right now. We'll pick it tomorrow. But uh, yeah, I mean, like that's that's an interesting line considering historically how close these two teams play each other. Yeah, I, I don't there. There isn't a betting angle. I'm loving either way. 48 is the over under um, kind of hard to get the Chiefs under 50 most of the time. And the way the unders have been playing and the way the Chiefs defense has been playing and knowing that even though the Chargers' defense has struggled, they still have Mac and Bosa out there. I, I just don't have a good feel on the bet. Um, I really don't have a good feel on the game. I mean, the Chiefs are at home. I think the Chiefs are going to win. But the Chargers are desperate. And, I, I, you know, like, they, they can still come at you with Keenan Allen and Eckler. And no, they haven't really had anybody step up. You know, Mike Williams is if I remember correctly, has been a problem for the Chiefs historically, too. Well, he's out. He's I done. know. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And he's not there. And Quentin Johnston's not there yet, the TCU star, who who is just more slowly acclimating than I think some people thought. So I, I do sort of like things for the Chiefs' defense to some degree, but I don't know. I, it, it's it, going to be know, look, It's going to be tough. It seems to me that for the Chargers, this might end up being a Joshua Palmer type game uh, without them having Mike Williams and Quentin Johnston really not doing a whole lot to get started in his career. I think the Chiefs secondary McDuffie Snead, I think they're going to be able to really 
I mean, you would think clamp down on Keenan Allen, which may mean that Joshua Palmer may be the guy uh, that I'm going to be looking at as far as player props are concerned for the Chargers. Eckler didn't have a good game on Monday Night Football, but of course he's going up against the Cowboys defense who did a really good job limiting him. So, um, you know, I don't know how that will how that correlates to the game on Sunday if the Chiefs defensively can stop the run in the way that the Cowboys did. Um, so, I, you know, I'm, I would imagine we'll see probably better stats from Eckler against the Chiefs than against the Cowboys, but I still don't know if it's going to be like a big-time game from Austin Eckler. Yeah, I mean, I think it comes into more of what what can the Chargers defense do here. Mahomes is off to a much slower start than we're accustomed to. Now, again, this is by his own standard, right? Not... <laughs> not anything else like he's he's still fine but it, it has been like if we look at you know just the numbers versus himself this has been an would we call it an off year for him I mean he's made some mistakes that he wouldn't typically make I think that's probably fair uh, you know can the Chargers do something to make him uncomfortable well they, they to start with Mac and Bose is a good place to start right in order to do that and knowing that the Chiefs receivers right now still don't seem capable of allowing Mahomes to push it down the field or anything, and if they're not as adept on the scramble drills yet as they might be, I lo- I'll tell you this, I love Rasheed Rice in this game. You know, if, I, if I'm attacking it from a betting perspective, it's probably toward Rasheed Rice because I do think Mahomes is going to have to scramble a ton it's probably a decent Kelsey game for that same reason, right? Like, who are the guys that Mahomes is going to lean into if he's got to get outside the pocket and move around? Because it's almost certainly going to happen with Mac and Bosa. Maybe you look at those two guys, and, and it, maybe this is the opportunity for Rice to really step up and say, hey, I am that guy. Like, I am the guy you should look for when you're running around doing your Mahomes magic type stuff. Look for me. And maybe that maybe this could be a coming out party. I do like him in this game quite a bit. Well, and what other option do they have outside of Travis Kelsey? I mean, you know, that's nobody else is really raising their hand. It's not going to be MVS, probably not going to be Sky Moore. Um, Justin Watson is out. It's probably going to take a little bit of time for McCole Hardman to get you know re ramped up into the into the offense. Um, I mean, I think that that's a pretty solid idea. That you know, if anybody has the chance to step forward. You know, it's probably going to be Rasheed Rice. It is. So I'm looking at, depending on, you know, metrics or how do you evaluate quarterbacks. So by the traditional older quarterback rating, Mahomes right now sits ninth uh, in the league, Herbert fifth. And then if you go to ESPN's QBR, and don't ask me what the difference here is because I don't know, uh, Mahomes is fifth and Herbert's sixth. But Mahomes normally is at the top of all of these things, and he's not. So, you know, if you're the Chargers, that's what you got to look at, like, the Chiefs are like that's that's what's so strange about the Chiefs this year. They're not a wounded animal. They're just not what they always are and probably will be later in this season right now in this moment. Can you take advantage if you're the Chargers desperate for a win here? Look, if the Chargers don't win this game, they pretty much have no chance to win the division if everything holds through injury-wise. No chance. If they do, okay. Like, maybe you've got a shot here, right? If you're the Chargers, at least you can sell it that way to your team. Look, if, they beat, if they're able to beat the Chiefs here, they're one game behind them in the standings. Chiefs would be 5-2. and two. The Chargers are 3-3 three and three with the win there. I mean, it is, a, it is a desperation moment for the Chargers, not just for that reason, 
But if you lose the game, Tommy, if you lose this game, you fall to two and four and the Chiefs move to six and one. What are the chances that the Chiefs have four losses by the end of the year? I don't I don't think that if the Chiefs win this game, I don't see any particular path that the Chargers can come back from that. That's why it's a must win for the Chargers to keep pace. I mean, let's be honest. Talent-wise, only talent. I'm not even talking about coaching, anything like that. Talent-wise, they're better than Denver. They're better than, than Vegas. They're better than both of those teams. And so, really, you're competing against Kansas City. And so, in a divisional matchup like this, if the Chargers don't get this win, you know, you've got all this talent on the team, and they're, they've fallen behind to a point to where I think it's going to be next to impossible for them to catch up. Yeah, I, it will be next to impossible because you just have to, like, again, are the Chiefs going to lose four games this year in total? Maybe, but are yeah. the Chargers then at that point going to win every single one of the rest of the games that they play? No, they're Doubtful. not. So that, that's where you have to look at it, right? Maybe the Chiefs even lose five games, but then the Chargers could only lose one more the rest of the way. That's not going to happen. So it is desperation. Like big time as desperate to a division, you know, to a divisional championship as you could have for the Chargers comes on Sunday. And I do think that desperation is dangerous for the Chiefs. I do think the fact that Justin Herbert did not, you know, perform up to his own standard against the Cowboys and missed some throws is dangerous, right? You know, a, a wounded animal. I, I think that could be a factor this weekend. I, the it, other thing, it's, too. It's a concerning I, game. It would not surprise me if the Chargers lose this game, if they lose it in a way that is disappointing to them. I mean, any loss is going to be disappointing, but like if they get throttled or if there's another decision at the end of the game that costs them, it may be the last game that Brandon Staley coaches as the, as the Chargers. He may be the very first one that loses his job this season after the game on Sunday. I don't know. Yeah. I, I do think that there is a little bit of job security in this game, too. You know, and, and if they can go on the road to Arrowhead and get a win, that's going to cool off, I think, Brandon Staley's seat pretty considerably. I don't know, man. Like the guy, you know, if nothing else, he's he's, you know, convicted in his beliefs. He could lose every game and be like, yeah, we're still making the right decisions. Like, but I'm not sure that they're going to give him that kind of rope to be able to, you know, uh, to be able to do that. He got the rope this year and then you know, had one of the biggest playoff collapses of all time and still got it. Uh, I mean, it's like is Jerry Jones running the Chargers right now with some of these coaching loyalty things that that are going on there like it's clearly not going to work and I know people love Brandon Staley and he may be like his attitude and all that stuff but if you can't correct clear mistakes then what are we doing here like it's not working dude like it's not and and he's just going to keep doing it so it's like okay well you know at some point you gotta you gotta make a change um I, I love that game though I'm excited about that game as excited as I've been about any Chiefs game this season and I think there's a lot of little things within the game that will make that pretty fascinating to, to, to watch play out. All right, Tommy, let's give away some Thunder tickets before we take a break and uh, come back, maybe talk a little Major League Baseball as we're in the championship series of both the American and National League. So what have we got coming for the Thunder? Yeah, we're getting ramped up tomorrow night. The Wichita Thunder home opener in Trust Bank Arena, 7 o'clock, taking on the Kansas City Mavericks. We're looking forward to it. Hockey season is back in Wichita and we've got a family four-pack of tickets to the game tomorrow night that we want to give away to you right now. 
All right, let's do that. That four-pack available to our second caller during the break here on the IHOP hotline, 869-1240. Jad will get us a winner. We'll come back. We'll talk a little playoff baseball next. All right, welcome back in, everybody. Sports Daily here. Congratulations to Shannon for winning our Thunder tickets. Congratulations to Ted for winning our HTO iced tea and brew house options. Uh, way to go, everybody. We'll continue to do that here. We'll try to give stuff away every day, or at least as much as we can here on Sports Daily. All right, let's talk a little baseball here, Tommy. We got two games both championship series in action today. The National League gets the afternoon window today. The American League gets the nighttime window again today. So let's start in the National League. Did, does it feel right now like the Diamondbacks have any chance to win this series? No. <clears throat> no. Yeah, I don't, I don't think, think so they have any either. chance to win. I think that the, I don't think they're going to get swept. But man, the Phillies are so hot right now. I, there's just there's no stopping them. Um, the lineup is ridiculous. The way that they're hitting is incredible. I just don't see, uh, I don't see anybody getting in their way right now. And, and it's going to be, I mean, honestly, whether it's the Rangers or the Astros, either team is going to have their hands full with the Phillies in the world series. Yeah, I, oh, for sure. But like, I think the difference is down to nothing. There's not anyone that thought, oh, the Astros have no chance here. Right, right. My Rangers were up to nothing, and I'm terrified, right? And and maybe it would be the same as if the Diamondbacks were up to nothing on the Phillies. I don't know, but two very different dynamics in the series because the Astros, I don't think, are ever out of it until they're dead. The Phillies would be the same way, but the Diamondbacks aren't that way. At least we don't perceive them that way. So I'm with you there, and you know, not not trying to be hyperbolic or anything, but I, I kind of just feel like at this point they got no chance. Meanwhile, on the other side, Rangers-Astros. Boy, this thing screams to me like seven games here. Uh, I, I, and I hope not. I hope not. But the Astros are the Astros. I don't know that I can remember a more uh, daunting batter in the postseason than Jordan Alvarez. Like, you just can't... Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively... Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love... Hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. It's better over here. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device. Credit service ported. 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Pitch to him. He he looks like he's going to hit a home run every time he's up. 
and he almost him. does every time he's up. It's probably him or Bryce Harper. Probably are the two that you just. You I think I'd rather pitch, pitch to Harper. Really? I think I'd rather pitch to Harper than than yeah. Like Jordan Alvarez is is hitting everything now. Jordan Montgomery did a phenomenal job on him in the first game. Like I, I've never seen Alvarez look as confused as he did in game one, and since then. It's just like everything is to the warning track or gone, it feels like. And Didn't he say that he was so fooled by Montgomery's curveball, I think, because it yeah. looks like a fastball? Well, he was. It was falling out. Like yeah. He clearly was fooled by it. But if you miss at all, like he's, he's parking it. And that's why I get so frustrated right now with the Rangers. Like I made the joke like everyone was – laughing at me because I'm like screaming in the newsroom like you can't you can't walk Tucker like you can't like whatever like you can't put guys on last night you can't walk Bregman to bring up Alvarez like what are we doing here like give them give them meatballs do not put somebody on for Jordan Alvarez make it so that when he hits that home run it's a solo shot and it doesn't kill you because it's probably going to happen at this point uh, he he's just out of this world he's so yeah. good I'm going to tell you right now, and you're not going to like to hear it. I don't know if you believe this or not. If this series goes to seven games, advantage Astros. The Astros think, win the series. If they've it been goes terrible to at games. home. You know, they've been terrible at home the last two postseasons. They've I believe. been there. They've got the postseason experience. If they can, it, being down two nothing, if they can get the game to seven, if they get the series to seven games. Advantage Astros big time. Here's what I'm banking on for the Rangers, and I and again, like I. Am terrified right now, but that's probably just—it's not like based in reality as much as we've seen this time and time again. One of the great clutch postseason hitters of this generation is Corey Seager, and he hasn't done anything yet in this series. And I, I kept in the very back of my head last night, like, "Oh man, what if Seager gets on, gets up here with a couple guys on? Like, is this is Corey Seager? Like, he's done this before. He's a World Series MVP." I think that what what you know casual fans aren't realizing with the Rangers is they're getting nothing out of the top of their lineup. Like nothing. Simeon, Seeger, and whoever it is they're batting third, other than the grand slam by Mitch Garver in the in that individual game, like they're not getting anything out of the top end of their all star studded lineup. It's all coming from the bottom of the lineup. Two home runs last night from Josh Young, the rookie. Like it's all coming down there. At some point, hopefully in the next however many games it takes, if the top of their lineup could do something, they're just as dangerous as the Astros. Like top to bottom, their lineup is just as good as the Astros. They're just getting nothing right now from their all-stars at the top. It's why I think that they've got to put the Astros down as soon as possible. You can't, if you're the Rangers, you can't let this series go to seven games or really even six games. You know, I, I think that you've got to try to, you've got to win tonight. Of course, you're at home, right? So that's that, that's got to help. But you got to win tonight. You got to win game five. You got to get them out early because as soon as you give the Astros that little bit of hope that they can they can get back in the series with their experience and that lineup, you know, I think it's it's pretty dangerous to let them hang around like this. The Astros always have that hope, though. The Rangers have been phenomenal on the road. The Astros have been not very good at home. And again, game six and seven probably would be Montgomery and Abaldi again. That's why I, I that's why I don't think I don't think there's much carryover. Like the same things that are existing in the NLCS, like the Astro I mean the, the Diamondbacks have to win tonight. Like all of those type things which 
I'm on board with. I don't, I don't think they exist in this Rangers Astros series. I do think it's like individual games and individual matchup based stuff. Keep in mind, the Rangers bullpen almost fell apart in each of their first two wins in this series too. Like the Rangers need to be more concerned about trying to put up eight, nine runs as they do anything else, because that's where like the, the two wins that they do have were thin ice type of wins. And really last night, it was relatively comfortable, but the Astros never could put that game away either. And I think both of these two teams are are just going to kind of keep doing that. Like, I don't – what's happening in the NLCS I don't think is going to start happening in the ALCS where you've got dominant wins one way or the other. I mean, you're right that the Astros always feel like they have hope. But, man, if it's a, a 3-1 Rangers lead after tonight, that hope gets really, really, really small. Because well, it you, does. I mean, the, the Astros would have they'll to have win three to in a row. Well, and they'll have to beat both Montgomery and Ivaldi, right? Yeah. Like, you got to beat both of those guys in that scenario. If you can tie the series, there's a potential that you don't have to do that. So right. that's where it gets a little more daunting, I think, for Houston. But Texas has got to be able to yeah, – they got to be able to get there too. I don't know. It's the late game. It should be fun. I, I'm, I'm a wreck right now. Like, I can't concentrate or focus on anything else. Uh, I, I forget how it is to be a postseason baseball fan. Royals, hopefully it's there for you too, Royals fans, very soon. 869-1240, we'll come back. We'll tell you what's on tap today next. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. It's better over here. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. A left 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months.